Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Riki and Sarah Hayashi are back and they are joining me to talk about Star Wars Rebels. We're picking up where we left off in Season 2. Today we're talking about Episodes 5, 6, and 7. All that more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, Riki, Sarah, so good to have you guys on again. How are y'all doing tonight? Yeah, it's nice to be back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Ready to be rebelling. Yeah. Rebelling? (laughs) Rebelling. I I will have you know, we've had a number of people write in and say, like, look, the Book of Boba Fett coverage is great, but where's my Rebels coverage? So uh, I don't know exactly when I I may start interspersing these with Book of Boba Fett. I may just start using these to have a backlog and kind of hit the ground running when Boba Fett ends. Uh, It just depends on how much editing time I get, but we'll definitely be getting these out pretty soon. No spoilers. Um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, No Boba Fett spoilers. Uh, I have seen it. You all have not. So we will be careful of that. Well, don't um, tell the don't tell the listeners that. No, <laughs> they'll figure cut, it out soon. Enough. I'll cut that out. I'll cut that out. Yeah, no, it's oh. fine. I I invited that. Okay, but it just seems fine. weird to be on a Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Be like, I haven't started watching Boba Fett yet. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff. It's yeah, yeah. There is a lot out there. There's a lot out there. I I, I have not read the comic books. I'm still reading my. Making my way through the books, but there's a lot that oh. I have not read. So, uh, <laughs> those comics happily, are great. I'll give a quick plug. Um, our friend uh, Jonah Kelman is doing a great podcast called The Archives Are Incomplete, where he's literally giving uh, a review, but also a plot summary of every single book. So if you're like me and not sure that you can get through the purple prose of all of the Legends canon, uh, that's a great podcast to check out. Um, but we are here rebelling. We are doing rebel things. We're watching episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, we'll get into each one of them separately because these are all kind of one-off episodes, but uh, overall, what do you all think of these three? I mean, I'm a big fan of one of them in particular. You get a, well, you a big guess say. as to which one. Um, but I mean, like again, it, it, it's Rebels. I love it all. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've got any complaints. And yeah, the, the obviously the Hondo episode, I'm beyond yeah. thrilled about. Well, I for one love Sith, and we get some Sith. I mean, we get some new Inquisitors. We yeah. had seen one of them kind of here and there, but here they, they do their Inquisiting. Yeah, I feel like this three-episode arc, I mean, it's not an arc, it's three individual episodes, but it just sort of perfectly captured all the things I love about this show, you know, because it does have some of the overall world-building and, like, story arc of the Inquisitors coming, as, as you're talking about, Riki. We get some of the... <clears throat> kind of like, you know, Kanan's struggle to train Ezra and all of them trying to find their place in the larger alliance and, and the battle against the Empire. And then we get some of the ridiculousness. And frankly, I think the Hondo-Ezra relationship may be one of my absolute favorites. And just, I mean, Hondo was so good in Clone Wars. We had so much fun talking about him. But I feel like the writers just kind of got him more than we'd ever... And this episode especially, it just hits all the notes so yeah between that between the rex and canaan stuff uh there's just so much i love like I, i'm sure we can find some things to nitpick but i just i just love these three episodes so much <clears throat> yeah I mean, we didn't really talk about the the episode seven where they get the b-wing introduced oh, but yeah well so yeah i i love sith and i love tech there you go and getting the origin of the b-wing yep it is 
amazing. Oh my goodness. And it Even, and we get to see the, like the what do they call it? The multi the like prom laser thing. Yeah. Although does it ever use that in the movies? No. No. Okay. I, I have some issues about that, but let, let's get to that when we get to episode <laughs> seven. Uh let's start with episode five though, and, and for folks who either not seen these for a long time or just you know you haven't seen them you want to just kind of live vicariously through us uh let's give you a quick plot summary so i will read this one episode five always two there are zen sabine and chopper with ezra volunteering himself to avoid kanan and rex head out to an old republic medical base in search of vital medical supplies only to be encountered by the seventh sister and the fifth brother uh who we learn are other other inquisitors The seventh sister captures Ezra and interrogates him about the whereabouts of Ahsoka Tano, while Sabine is also captured by the fifth brother. Zeb and Chopper eventually rescue them, and they all barely escape the Inquisitors and head back to the Rebel fleet, where Ezra pointedly questions Kanan about the extra Inquisitors, who I will who I will add to this plot summary, and Kanan has no answers, and they're all very concerned. So yeah, what'd, what'd you think? <clears throat> and we want to start off with the title right away mm-hmm. like a, a Yoda. this title is bs oh <laughs> i mean it's a reference right always mm-hmm. two there are is what yoda says at the end of the phantom menace right where they're referring to the sith and the fact that uh, obi-wan defeated darth maul and mm-hmm. he's I defeated think, oh yeah i mean De- bisected yeah. Oh, wow, him wow, wow. yeah yeah dropped him literally, down a shaft literally <laughs> defeated yes correct defeated yeah but uh, Yoda, I think, is talking to Mace one or the other. Do? Oh, yeah, probably Mace. And says, always two there are with the Sith, a master and an apprentice. And then Mace right. is like, but which one was this? Which one was defeated? Mm-hmm. So it, it's referencing the Sith. But I think technically the Inquisitors are not Sith. I mean, this is all questionable, right? Like, yeah, because this rule of two just has never made sense to us. Yeah. <laughs> and here we go. Like here here they are referencing the rule of two, introducing two inquisitors to us. But the there's seven and six, so seven and five. Seven and five. So I mean there's at least seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus one. I, right. I mean unless the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, they, they refer I think this is the first time they refer to last season's character as the Grand Inquisitor. Didn't he refer right. to himself as the Grand Inquisitor? No. No? Oh, okay. And I should say, um, we later learn that these are their names, and they may even be in the credits, but they don't use the words mm-hmm. seventh sister and fifth brother in the uh, in the episode itself. Right, right. Yeah. And it's funny. Um, I just mentioned this podcast and now kind of uh, reference it again. In that podcast, Jonah's podcast, The Archives Are Incomplete, he actually was talking about this a lot because he's, he's reviewing right now the book uh, Darth Plagueis, uh, which... He's doing the Legends canon. It's not officially canon the way um, this show is, but it's close enough, I think, on this issue. And one of the things that he goes into that I think we've talked about as well is that on the one hand, I think, yeah, you can officially sort of see it as the the only two there are is the Darths, Master and Apprentice, and so maybe they can have other Force users running around. But in theory, I think the idea is like if like no one heard Darth Maul called Darth Maul, they just knew he had force powers and used a red lightsaber uh, and the dark side of the force. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, COVID throat still. Mm. Um, but, but one of the points Jonah was making is the rule of two is kind of basically observed in 
all the exceptions people make for it. You know, that almost <laughs> everyone seems to find some way to claim that the thing they want to do is kind of okay with the rule of two. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I can give the writers enough credit to know if they were intentionally trying to reference the fact that the rule is nonsense um, or if they're just like, well, there's two of them. So it's sort of true. Um, I think the whole Inquisitor line and, and them being numbered is kind of a jab at the rule of two. Right. Well, and that is specifically in that book, Plagueis, who's, tr- who's training Sidious, the two of them both believe that by taking over the Republic, they can end the rule of two. That like the rule of two will no longer be needed because now the rule of two is all about hiding from the Republic and the Jedi. And now the Republic and the Jedi have been wiped out. So you're okay. That's fair. Yeah. And I think it's also just like a fun callback line to the fact that like now there are two Inquisitors after you and also mm-hmm. maybe right. Darth Vader still mm-hmm. who's like <clears throat> mentioned but not seen. Um, because yeah, the, the, the fact that there are two of them seem to be a big surprise to Ezra and Kanan and kind of like every, everybody on board, the whole ghost crew. Except for Ahsoka. So they ask at the end of the episode, they ask, do you think Ahsoka knows about these other Inquisitors? Mm -hmm. And if, if you read the book, Ahsoka, she does Mm -hmm. because she defeats two of them and that's how she gets her new lightsabers. And so let's talk about the two of them. Um, what what do you think of the how the character is introduced? This the fifth brother is he he seems to kind of like muscle. Like he's mm-hmm. not really. We mostly get the seventh sister who has this very interesting way of interacting with uh, Ezra. What's what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I like the the fifth brother seems very cold and metallic, even as far as like his character design. I'm not sure like what species he is, but he's got like gray metallic mm. skin seems very cold down to business kind of bounty hunter um but yeah the seventh sister's cool we're first introduced to her she's wearing a mask and has like a robotic kind of voice modulation and then she like removes her mask and she's like nobody that we know still kind of has a little bit of that um i she i think i originally thought that she was gonna be um the apprentice of yeah, Luminaris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luminaris apprentice who like backstabbed Ahsoka back in Clone Wars, um, but like because she's got vague similarities to her. I don't think she is. I forget though, honestly. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. She's neat. She's got a lot of fun personality. She seems um, like along the lines of Ventress in that sort of cutthroat femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bera Sophie. Is the, is maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought she might be. She's not. Um, I think she's supposed to maybe be of the same race. And yeah, she has this very, like, not little girl voice as though she, like, she's not a, a grown woman. She is. But it's that kind of, like, breathy, flirty. Like, she, she seems very much like she's trying to be his friend. You know, it's like Ezra. Like, and it's very different from the Grand Inquisitor. And... I like I like seeing different personalities. You know, I like seeing that they have these different perspectives, even though she's clearly just as malevolent and just as evil. Oh yeah, like she's trying to be friends with them, but she's also like, "I'm gonna kill you." LOL. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna kill your friends, maybe. Um, she she also kind of reminded me of the Night Sisters, and that could just be like the vocal modulation thing with like how the Night Mother has like weird reverb background mm-hmm. voice, um, but just the kind of like spooky mysteriousness about her mm-hmm. right. and what good well i was just gonna comment 
that the uh, voice actress for the Seventh Sister is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, oh that's why she was familiar. Yes, of Buffy the Vampire. Family. All right, she's got like vague Buffy qualities. <laughs> mm-hmm. Neat. And and she so the the character also uses droids like these kind of mm-hmm. like small spider droids that go around right. and do sp- spying for her, which was kind of the only thing in this episode that I didn't really understand when the the phantom crew arrives at the hospital they're going around in the dark and then chopper gets ambushed by one of these droids mm-hmm. and it's like why was that droid why here the at this hospital there? does she just right. have like droids interspersed around everywhere maybe i mean like they were doing a medical supplies run right so she could know that those are like hot spots that yeah. rebels yeah. etc Maybe interesting. They were being followed or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I, I think we're supposed to think that the like the Grand Inquisitor would often show up places where you had no idea how he he knew to be there, and I think we're supposed to have this just sort of sense of ominousness of like how do they get there? You know, they they're always one step ahead of us. This is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like th- this one especially was a little eyebrow raising of mm-hmm. of how they get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the Empire is cl- clearly monitoring the station because like as soon as the rebels break in. You know, they get an alert and they tell Callus, like, hey, there's some activity on one of these ships. Do you want to check it out? And he's yeah. like, no, it could be nothing. Who knows? So it's, like, clearly on their radar. So maybe she just has, like, a whole bunch of these droids. And the droid, like, makes a call and she answers it. And she's like, right. BRB. Or, like, be right there. Yeah. Um, and she starts up sli- slightly before the fifth brother who mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. on the ship with Callus and is like it's not nothing i use my mystical sense powers and they're like oh you wackos <laughs> in your religion and yeah i i do like the at one point one of the imperial generals refers to like them as mystics and, mm-hmm. and we're seeing more of this tension that is going to carry through all the way to the people on the death star and darth vader and a new hope between like the military and the mystics and i, I like seeing that well, yeah especially it seems like so quickly like the the Jedi are things that they're actively hunting down right now, but mm-hmm. they're still like wacky force powers. Is that even a thing? Who's to say? Yeah, wait until you get choked. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like the one fatal. Fl- I mean, there's many fatal flaws mm. in this regard, but like it's the one you know. <clears throat> a huge problem of the Clone Wars is it does the way that the Jedi are set up in. A New Hope, the original movies, it doesn't make sense that they existed only 20 years ago. Like, it had to be 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And mm-hmm. so everything now has to, has to deal with that. And at this point, I just kind of continuously roll my eyes to it. Yeah. I, I will say one quick thing. The droids are, they're all kind of like miniature versions of the probe droid that mm-hmm. goes to Hoth in Empire Strikes Back. And, and I sort of find myself having a little bit of affection for them because I'm now playing um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um uh, very few. Sp- I won't. I will spoil the very beginning of it in that you start off playing as an Imperial agent who has one of those droids helping you, and it's very cute, and you become sort of attached to it. So like, like oh, okay, little probe droid. Uh, you're helping the Empire. That's terrible, but still. You know? <laughs> I mean, like all all droids are good droids. That's kind of my. I don't know. That's I've got fair. a droid affection, especially, and I really like. Um, speaking of droids, the relationship between Ezra and Chopper. How yeah. it's, like, getting less antagonistic and more, like, Ezra's warming to Chopper and his grumpy antics. Definitely. I, yeah, definitely. appreciate he's actually, He says specifically he's, like, trying to learn his language. Or mm-hmm. he doesn't say, like, he's trying to learn how to, how, what Chopper means. 
Yeah, whereas, like, Zeb still has no idea what yeah. Chopper's on about. Um, and, like, has been with him longer, and Zeb just, like, I don't know, seems to not care and is just constantly annoyed by Chopper. Yeah. One other thing I thought was really interesting about the way they introduced the brother and sister is that the two are definitely rivals. Mm-hmm. Like, at one point, there's a whole thing about, like, which one of them gets credit for the kill, and, like, he's going in to, to hit them, to hit Ezra with a his uh, lightsaber and she blocks him with hers. Like <clears throat> I, I, I'm really enjoying seeing that like they're, they're working together, but they definitely have a lot of that Sith antagonism and everybody wants to be on top. Yeah. I don't even know if like working together is the right uh. word. They have the same goal. Right. And they're like on the same side, but yeah, like you're saying they're clearly like very antagonistic towards each other. Right. I just mean, like, they showed up together. Mm, you know, sure. I well, they didn't even that, show like, up together, right? Like, she was there before him, and he was, like, all upset that she got there first. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, this is a constant theme we are seeing with the Empire is not working together. I mm-hmm. mean, the same thing happens right. when they get the message on the Star Destroyer. The fifth brother says, no, I'm going to go off my own when Callus offers to take the Star Destroyer to the base. And obviously, like, mm-hmm. that would have probably been a big help <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah he he doesn't want to work with callus the sister doesn't want to work with the brother everyone is out for themselves and mm-hmm. this is you know com a uh, common trope right. in a lot of media is that evil doesn't win because good you know has teamwork yeah yeah where evil <laughs> is selfish i mean one irony here is that uh, as a little bit established in the movies, but also established very much in the books, in the canon, the new canon books as well as the legend books, this dynamic is exactly is one big part of why the rule of two was established, because the idea is that if you have like hundreds of Sith <laughs> trying to work as a team, they're all so individualistic, they're all going to be backstabbing each other and murdering each other, and and so yeah, it's kind of funny seeing like this is the whole point why you don't have lots and lots of dark side force users getting in each other's way. Yeah. So I think that's kind of all to say about this episode. The one last thing I just wanted to give a shout out to was the ominous music at the end. Like when Kanan is saying, like, I I don't know anything about them. We cut to the very much like the dark side force music. So that that, that made me really happy. Yeah. Wasn't it um, the Imperial March or like some variation of the Imperial March? Yeah. It's a variation. Yeah. Variations. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's neat. And I like that they leave it hanging with like that does Ahsoka know about it or not. Right. Um because yeah, I mean it's it still feels like a very real threat, even mm-hmm. though they have joined up with the rest of Phoenix Squadron, right? They're not just on their own anymore, they're still in a whole bunch of danger. Right, right. Well, cause the rest of none of the rest of Phoenix Squadron are Jedi. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're and even Ahsoka, like in part because she's not going out in the field as much, but she's not being hunted in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Although well, we do yeah. hear in this in this episode, the sister specifically says, like, she's interested in Ezra, but mostly she wants to find Ahsoka. Yeah. And one of the best things about this series in comparison to Clone Wars is that that ominous ending where Kanan says, I don't know, is, is going to get followed up on. It's going to lead to other storylines and plots where he now has to go on a on a journey of discovery to find out more and to discover more about the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah, and I think that's true. And one other thing that um, I I wasn't sure if I was going to comment on this episode because it's a big part of the next episode. 
But again, in that kind of setting things up, we get a little bit of Rex and Kanan who clearly both have different ideas of what they think Ezra should be doing. Mm. And that's going to be a big part of the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we move on to that one? Or is there anything else on this one you want to mention? Yeah, I, no. I just want to say a quick thing about the fifth brother. I believe I read that his character design was actually based on a concept drawing um, for the episode three movie, Revenge of the Sith. Mm. Um, and he was potentially going to be like another Sith character in that movie oh interesting cool i can see that nice it's fun seeing that they're kind of like bringing that back all right episode six uh one of you want to read the oh sarah wants to read i want to i love it uh ezra deceives uh, blah 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 okay i'm too excited here we go ezra receives a distress signal from Vizago's ship ezra and chopper decide to see what's happened when Ezra and Chopper arrive at the ship, they find out that the ship has been taken over by my one true love, Honda what? Onaka. I'm sorry, you knew you knew what this was. They find out that Vizago has been captured inside the ship, and Ezra helps him get get it back. There's a little like there's more than that. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's the, the there's TLDR. a lot of the kind of like if you remember uh, Hondo from the Clone Wars, there's a lot of the like every backstab is gonna be followed by another backstab, by oh, followed yeah. by another backstab. Um, but Hondo, also with a smile and like a yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I think the other like really important plot point is that Hondo offers Ezra, you know, Ezra kind of pulls a couple fast ones on Hondo, which makes Hondo goes, oh, you lied to me. I, I love it. Yeah. And, and he wants Ezra <laughs> to join his crew as a pirate. He, by the way, thinks that Ezra is Lando Calrissian, or at least is claiming to. We'll talk about how much Hondo believes him. And um, the start of the episode had been Rex and Kanan kind of fighting over making Ezra think, should he be a soldier or should he be a Jedi? He spends part of the episode thinking, maybe I want to run away from it. Like, literally run away and join the circus, except the Mm -hmm. circus being pirates. And by the end, he realizes, no, I don't want to be uh, uh, a pirate. I want to be a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. So, like like you're saying, there's some of this, like, Rex versus Kanan antagonism at the end of the last episode. And, like, during the last episode. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, uh, Kanan is... Not Kanan. uh, Ezra is, like, really upset because he's got like practice with Rex he's got practice with Kanan and he's got Hera also saying like plus you have to clean the ship you have other duties as well um Mm -hmm. so like they fly off and do do some cool mission it's him and Chopper which is a nice like pairing and like that I think I like Ezra and Chopper together um Mm -hmm. when yeah they're supposed to be cleaning a ship when they receive this distress signal from Vizago and they're like oh well, yeah, Ezra's like, better go, better go, better stop doing manual labor and uh, go answer this distress signal. Yeah, this is part of, point... oh, I was going to say, it's part of Hera's secret Jedi training, making him clean the ship. Yeah. We, we just finished Cobra Kai season four recently. Okay. And I was like, he needs to do wax on, wax off. A good chores based training <laughs> regimen. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I have a lot of thoughts on Cobra Kai season four <laughs> that I will be getting to. Um, yeah, and oh, I was I was just gonna mention another like plot point. Yeah, so yeah. they get to the ship. Lando Lando introduces himself. Right, I'm Lando Calrissian, which is an alias Ezra's used before. Right. Um, I think it's like his go-to alias now. Well, it used, yeah, it used to be Jabba the Hutt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know H- Hondo explains that. He won this ship from Vizago in a game of Sabacc. He also won his droids. Look, I have this thing. The droids turn on and I can turn them right back off again. Don't worry about it. Um, and it seems like the ship's on autopilot to go 
do a meetup to sell some power generators to to who to as morgan oh, of course voice james, hong. james hong who's like a plus super great and it's nice to see as morgan again um the deal goes a little sideways Ezra ends up using some force powers. Hondo picks up on it. And this is where, uh, uh, yeah, the jig is up on Lando Calrissian because right. as Morgan recognizes that he is not Lando Calrissian, he's the guy who screwed him over last deal. Um, well, so that's a good place I want to start. Do you think Hondo ever did actually believe that this is Lando? Yeah. I, I, heck no. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, I... Yeah, he even says, he's like, oh, you're the famous Lando Calrissian. Oh, neat. You're younger than I expected, but welcome, yeah. <laughs> Lando. Welcome, my friend. Right? Yeah, there's no way he actually believes it, but yeah, he's Hondo willing to is... go along with it. For those folks who didn't see the Clone Wars, or we keep talking about how great he is, but like, let's just do a kind of introduction. For, for those who didn't see the Clone Wars and didn't watch this episode, how, how would you describe Hondo Anaka? Why is he... You, you know husband do like what 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 is the um what 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 makes him yes, why? such a great character <laughs> he's fictional um he's he's like pirate with heart of gold so like, he introduces himself as a pirate he used to he's be a pirate a, i wouldn't even say heart of gold why not heart of gold like he he literally kidnapped that was Obi-Wan one time one time he kidnapped and threatened to murder a bunch of children it's fine he I, also has jokes um I, yeah I think he's, like he's a jack sparrow pirate like he's oh yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he's, yes. he's he's not like he's not hard i wouldn't say he's yeah, yeah I don't know, it's not that he's like purely benevolent but he's also not pure, like he's very much not cad bane he's no. very different than that it's just that he's sort of like he's having so much fun that a lot of times it's like well i could kill kids but this is more fun, you know? Like, I, I, he doesn't have huge moral compunctions against things, but he does have a very strong loyalty to his friends. Mm-hmm. But also the sort of, like, he just assumes everyone's going to backstab him, and it's, like, we saw him in the Clone Wars. His troops betray him, and he's like, ah, oh, how can you do this? I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You know? I, I just, taught you so well. <laughs> yeah. Like, he wants to always swindle everybody, but he also just kind of loves being in on the game. On yeah. Level, you know? Like, he seems like he's got this, like, true neutral alignment, right? Where he's just, like, he's in it for himself, but he's also there to have a good time along the way. Right. Um, and, like, I think it, even in so the episode we referred to, it's a Clone Wars episode. He ends up kind of mistakenly kidnapping a bunch of Jedi younglings. He's really in it for their kyber crystals because those are going to sell for a whole bunch of credits on the black market. Um, and then, like, it's a, it's a multi-part episode. But by the end of the episode... I think he even says something like, I'm not going to hurt these kids. And Ahsoka's like, you were literally threatening to, to murder them yesterday. And he's like, eh, change my mind. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and like, he doesn't kill Visago, right? He's just locked him in his own, the brig of his own ship. I think he very easily could have just murdered Visago and taken his ship. But he didn't, you know. And when Ezra finds Visago and lets him out, Hondo's like, ah, oh, jigs up. Yeah. I see you've, you've got me. Whatever. It's fine. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Like- I think part of his thing is he just he loves plots. He loves he yeah. loves traps, and, and the point like he loves trapping people, but he also kind of loves being trapped just because he wants to know what happens. And that's kind of my take on him. He's like this guy's clearly not Lando, 
but why is he calling himself Londo? I don't know. I'll I don't play care. Along, yeah. You know, <laughs> let's like, go along with it. Yeah. Hondo would be the perfect improv actor. You know, he's yes. never going to say no to anything. Mm. <laughs> like whatever crazy thing, he's going to go along with it. Oh yeah. He's a yes. And that's yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like he, obviously he wants to make a buck. Um, he wants to swindle his way there and like, yeah, he's just, but he's so charming along the way. Yeah. Right? Like, he's always calling you my friend. He's always got, like, a fun joke in his back pocket. When you betray him, he's going to laugh and say, like, ah, oh, good job. Right? Like, I, I, part, I, yeah. Part of why it works so well in this episode is the two people he's swindling, Visago and um, I want to call Morgan? him as Morgan. Yeah. As Morgan. Thank you. Uh, uh, you know, um, there's a reference to Mad Morgan is what I keep hearing in my oh. head. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah. Wait, neither, you mean what, Mad Mardigan? Yes, from, thank from you. From Willow? Yes, thank what? you. Yeah. Bo- both of these two have been introduced to us as not really reputable characters themselves either. So there's definitely a sort of like everyone's just stealing from each other and you're all just scum and villainy. Like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, even even when Ezra go and answers the call to go save Visago, there's this mm-hmm. kind of like, if he weren't doing like manual labor I don't think he'd be so willing to go answer this distress call right yeah. he's just like oh you know like I better go do it I better stop mopping mm-hmm. the ship um and I I think we also get like a nice moment with Visago as well that like ties up a loose end with um Visago cashing in his you will do anything for me with mm-hmm. Ezra yeah. which is a nice callback yeah like from season one, I think it was, when Ezra's trying to get Kanan back, he makes this deal that he will do literally anything for Visago if he helps get Kanan back, which he does. Right. And I think Hera's super pissed because it's like, Visago is not a guy you want to have something over you, right? Yeah. But that's cleared up now. We're good. That's such kind of a great way also to jump into, like, as funny and as awesome as Hondo is, this is a pretty serious episode in terms of... uh Ezra's, you know, development. Mm-hmm. And um, let's start with kind of the Rex and Kanan of it all, because it's Kanan, it's represented as Kanan wants him to work on his lightsaber skills. Rex wants him to work on his, like, blaster firing skills. But it really comes down to this question of, like, is he going to be a soldier or a Jedi? And mm-hmm. and obviously there's this larger tension between Kanan and Rex. What do you think is going on there? Well, I mean, we obviously know the tension of... Kanan doesn't like clones. Right. For because of Order 56. For like legit yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, and then I think Kanan also feels threatened by Ezra having a new mentor. Um, mm-hmm. because like I don't think Kanan's super secure in his position as Ezra's right. mentor to begin with. Um and yeah, and like Rex is like army guy gonna train you. Tactical training's important. It's important to be a soldier. I can't imagine anyone not being a soldier. Right. It's not just that, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rex had a relationship with Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. and he constantly yeah. references oh, yeah. the Jedi general that I that I worked with. Right. So he has this vision of what a Jedi should be, and and how they should act, and how useful they are in combat. And to him, I think Kanan is just a kid. Right, because mm-hmm. he was just a kid when mm-hmm. the Clone Wars happened. He Rex is going to know that just based on his age. Be like, you're a Padawan who never completed your training. I I don't trust you as a Jedi. 
I definitely think that's part of it, but I think the other part of it is he also, I mean, remember what happens to Anakin. You know, I think on some level, he doesn't trust the Jedi. Hmm. Like, he, you know, he has some of that. I don't think it's as much as Kanan because he was with Ahsoka, uh, as we found out at the end of Clone Wars. But I do think he he saw Anakin fall. And so that may also be part of why he's like, yeah, maybe yeah, this guy being a soldier is going to be better. Yeah, and I think, like, Ezra is also the perfect candidate for this being pulled both ways. Um, even if we, like, think about his lightsaber, like, his lightsaber is half lightsaber, half half blaster, right? Right. Well, what, what do you mean by Rex saw Anakin fall? Doesn't Rex... Oh, oh God. Hmm. Does Rex not know that Anakin becomes Darth Vader? No. I mean, as far as Rex is concerned... I, I, he, I, he probably thinks that Anakin fell during Order 66. Oh, because you're right. Because he, okay. he was with Ahsoka, and that that ending of the Clone Wars happens at the same time as Revenge of the Sith. So, like, and Ahsoka, right. like, doesn't know either. Well, she, she definitely... <clears throat> until now, until this right. series. Yeah. yeah, but I think she, she suspects now, and yeah, we had, like... Yeah, you're right. Like she might have told Rex, but she may she hasn't told she hasn't really talked about it to anyone. So yeah, no, okay. So I take all that back. Yeah. So I think Ricky, it's it's probably just all the stuff that both of you are, are are bringing up. What? And and going further with that, like I know we keep talking about how he wants to uh, escape the manual labor. I I think there's another part of it is that I think he also wants to go off and help Fazago, because this is a way for him not to have to figure his own stuff out. You mm. know, and there's actually a great line that I so related to. Where I think someone confronts him about that and it's like, you know, you can't just kind of run away from the figuring this out. And he says, I'm not running away from my problems. I'm simply helping someone else with theirs. And the number of times when I didn't want to deal with my own garbage and I was like, ah, my friend, I'm going to talk to you. How are you doing? Don't ask me about <laughs> me. How are you? Let's talk about you. Like, yeah, I, I can relate to that so hard. Oh, for sure. And I think even when, like at the end of the episode... Um, Ezra tells Hondo, like, in another lifetime, I definitely would have joined you and been a pirate with you, right? Like, I think it's him confronting his own stuff mm -hmm. yeah. in in some way. But yeah, like, he, he says to Rex and to Kanan, like, what if I don't want to be either a Jedi or a soldier? Like, gosh, like, right. screw you, dad. So I'm going off. I don't want to <laughs> be what you want me to be, right? Yeah. When, and Ezra references the fact that he used to be someone like Hondo Anaka, mm -hmm. like the Ezra who it's in the first season was really rebelling, no pun intended, was kind of like fighting back against the idea of joining this team because he was just out for himself. Like that one would have been perfectly, he would have been a perfectly good fit for Hondo's team back then. And and so I think, yeah, it's a, in some ways he doesn't really resolve the Rex versus Kanan thing, but he does resolve the like, yeah, this is like fully closing the door on that chapter of his life. Yeah. Any other last thoughts on this episode? Any other last thoughts on Hondo's Hondo Onaka? I love Hondo the most. Okay. He's wonderful. Yeah. Hondo is pretty great. I, I would have joined Hondo's crew. I don't know. Well, I'll Pardon? tell you what I love. Mm -hmm. It's Starfighters. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let, let's let's talk about Starfighters because there's an A-wing, there's an X-wing, there's a Y-wing, there's a U-wing. Is there one I'm forgetting? That's your prompt. Now you say B-Wing. What, what is the U-Wing? Oh, okay. You are not with it. In um, <laughs> Rogue One, you remember like the, the troop carrier ship that they use? Oh, okay. That, that's called a U-Wing. And it's now it's shown up in a lot of the video games now. All right. Well, that's not really a starfighter, though. 
Yeah, really. It's a, it's a support ship. It's like a you know, it's not an attack helicopter. It's like a Huey helicopter. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Episode seven is. What do you want to read the episode summary? Absolutely. So episode seven, Wings of the Master. Phoenix Squadron tries to break an Imperial blockade in order to provide food supplies to those who need it. But their transport is destroyed and the mission fails. Hera is then tasked to go to a planet whose atmosphere is very difficult to fly in to get a ship being built by a Mon Calamari named Quarry that can break the blockade. After nearly crashing her shuttle, Hera manages to convince Quarry to let her pilot the ship, called the Bladewing, or B-Wing for short. With the Bladewing's firepower, Hera manages to single-handedly destroy one of the Imperial blockade ships, allowing the Ghost to break the blockade and deliver the needed supplies. So yeah, talk about starships. What do you like about this episode? It's the B-Wing. So the the B-Wing showed up in uh in episode six return of the jedi in the big mm. endor space battle and it was kind of just like along with the a-wing was the new thing right so like right. in terms of movie starfighters we started with the x and the y wings in a new hope and then i guess we got the snow speeders in empire strikes back and then we get the B-Wing and the A-Wing in Return of the Jedi. And like everyone, you know, kids back then had all these toys and stuff. So this is the origin story of a classic movie starfighter. Yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that I love when prequels do. You know, where they're they're not adding new... Well, they, they do the one thing I don't like, which is when all of a sudden a ship has a, a new power that it didn't use in the main movie. And we'll get to that. But but yeah, mostly it's, it's just filling in some of the details. It's telling you more about a piece of equipment instead of necessarily a person. And I think it's a great kind of use of prequel like that. I, I also do think that the calling it the, the Blade Wing is kind of a nice little bit of a retcon because, you know, the X-Wing looks like an X. The Y-Wing looks like a Y. The B-Wing, like... Very, you really gotta squint to make it look like a bee. I sort of see why they call it that, but having it be the blade wing instead of it just being because it looks like a bee makes a lot more sense, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, like yeah, a you, lowercase b kind of, but yeah. Or you had to draw like the rounded portions of the bee on on top of the wings, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it was really, it's fun to see it. In, in the atmosphere and how it lands because that mm-hmm. that was not something you know we ever got originally it was just a space fighter and quite frankly like i don't actually believe that it would it would fly in an atmosphere <laughs> but whatever yeah but this atmosphere if it can fly in that atmosphere it can fly anywhere oh, yeah. i do think that the 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 crashing in the crazy atmosphere and then going to meet this kind of kooky person who can get like there's definitely a little bit of a yoda reference and, and dagobah reference there that i really liked mm-hmm. or even just like go to the mountaintop and meet the mystic old wise man mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. who who was voicing quarry do you know it doesn't say here in the episode summary Ooh, maybe i can uh, find out yeah he it's um the voice actor who did count dooku in the clone wars Corey burton i think oh, okay that's why i kind of recognize the voice all this clicking is me attempting to <laughs> look it up. Um, but yeah, Corey, I love this character because he's he's a Mon Calamari, but he's got 
like a mustache. And it's like, why, mm-hmm. why does this crustacean <laughs> man have a mustache? Why just, not? I don't know. It's, Look, it's in the Orville, there's a character who just, his race doesn't have um, facial hair, but he asks to have his follicles stimulated so that he can have facial yes. hair because it just looks cool. And so, you know, I, 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 that, that technology is now introduced into an Orville slash Star Trek world. So I'm going to assume that it exists here as well. You know? Well, and it's not even like really hair. Actually, it kind of is, huh? It looks, like, it looks like hair. I it's thought just it was a like whale, like baleen it, yeah, kind of. I think that's what it's supposed to look mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Okay, so help me out, Riki, because I know you do care about continuity and you clearly love this ship and this episode. Mm-hmm. Why do they introduce this power that the ship has, that looks like it's like pretty good, like taking on capital ships? That we never saw used in Return of the Jedi. Okay, so, I mean, this is me just speculating, but they talk about the fact that, so, so talking about this starfighter, it has like gun emplacements on each of the four endpoints, right? And then in this episode, we see it shoot almost Death Star style, <laughs> like the four endpoints shoot into a midpoint in the middle in front of the ship. And it converges into like a super beam and a starfighter is able to destroy an Imperial cruiser. But Corey mentions that the gun draws so much power that it damaged the hyperdrive, right? So in this episode, they end up using a backup hyperdrive, installing it on the, is the ghost, the shuttle? The Phantom. Phantom? Yeah. Um, And carrying the B-Wing into battle. So I'm guessing that they never quite solve this problem of the the power that okay. this laser beam uses. And maybe they just uninstall it from future versions because they're like, the hyperdrive is more important. You know, we need to be able to fly in and out of battles. Right. And okay. like, speaking of, right, like I think it's important that Corey adds the hyperdrive to the Phantom. So now the Phantom has a hyperdrive, which yeah. is... right. Which is also going to yeah. be very cool. Yeah. No, okay. I, wait, that wait. I can buy. Okay. Yeah. What were you wait waiting? Well, I was like in the last episode, does that mean that when Ezra leaves the ship, he doesn't he doesn't go through hyperspace? Visago is just having problems like, yeah. in the upper atmosphere. Close enough by. Okay. Yeah, because I mean yeah. the shuttle at the end, the shuttle gets back because Chopper programmed it to just go back. Okay. And that's why Hondo ends up back with yeah. the, the rest of the crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like Corey and his like weird eccentricness. The fact that he's like, ah, I need the perfect pilot. Oh, me? I don't fly planes. No, that's too dangerous. No, none of yeah. that stuff for me, thanks. <laughs> um, he's a less it, annoying version of Gascon. Yes. And yes. it may it may be that the voice actor is the same as well. Okay. And I'll also say, I, one of the things he says is like, <clears throat> at the end, they're like, oh my God, this is so good. He says, you know, the, the ship was made by the pilot. You know, not mm-hmm. like the ship was made as good as it was. And and I like that because what this winds up also being is a Hera episode, which we mm-hmm. haven't had very many of. And she's such a great character. And, and what I like about it is, is not only do we get her, but we get a lot of her backstory. We get We learn why she became a pilot. Yeah, and talking about her, um, like, she doesn't talk about her family specifically, um, but, like, we know her last name, 
Mm-hmm. I feel like you can like tie her to like Chom Sandula in some yeah. way if you know that. Um, who, who was but, a, yeah. a leader of the Twi'lek rebels uh, during the Clone Wars when like mm-hmm. the uh, and was very kind of involved in like fighting for a free and independent Twi'lek uh, uh, Ryloth. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So like, she talks about being on Ryloth and watching pilots up ahead and how she wants to be up there and she feels most comfortable as a pilot. And even like um, Kanan kind of like volunteers her to, to go do this job. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, oh, Harry, you're doing it. You're the best pilot. She's like, what? No. Why? What? No. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and even like the, the folks around Phoenix Squadron are saying like nobody's flown out of the atmosphere on whatever Quarry's planet is. Shantipole. Shantipole. Ooh, mystical. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's it. Yeah, it's good, and I I like like what you're saying, Matthew, about how Quarry kind of acknowledges like the the reason the plane it's not really a plane starship is so good is because mm-hmm. of the person flying it. Like it's her talents yeah. that made it amazing. Yeah. I think we've talked some about how sometimes she's kind of relegated a bit to mom role or like mm-hmm. support role. So yeah, getting to see her be like a fighter pilot and be badass was just, I, I really appreciated it. Yeah. And then um, like at the end, she gets a bit of a promotion too, which is really, mm-hmm. really nice. And it's, it's nice to see like the rest of Phoenix Squadron acknowledging that hair is, hair is awesome. Hair is super good. It's it, it, That bothered me a little bit. Oh? Because... She's leading the mission at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. and addition to the transport we mentioned getting destroyed, as they try to escape, Phoenix leader is also shot down. Hmm. So she kind of pushed the agenda when they were like, no, we should turn back. She's like, no, we can make it, we can make it. And then she ends up getting Phoenix leader killed and then takes a spot. <laughs> I suppose that's a fairly dark way of looking at it, but the facts might actually line up to support that story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like she doesn't, she doesn't say, well, I guess I'll be Phoenix leader now. Like. Sure. She gets kind of nominated for that. But and, yeah. And okay. she that's, that's legitimately is the best person. Yeah. For the position. And in fairness, it's not, this isn't a mission where she's like, I want to go do this because I want to be a badass pilot. It's. We need to break this blockade in order to feed these starving people. So. Yeah, which like Callus kind of, or um, yeah, Agent Callus, uh, Agent Callus. He's like, we get oh, a cut right. to him, and he's like, those darn rebels always wanting to help people. Like, <laughs> my dude, you have to know you're the baddies. Like saying something like that, right? Anyway, yeah, they're they're trying pretty hard to remind us that Callus doesn't have a mustache to twirl. But they're kind of taking him in a mustache twirling. Uh, yeah, he, he's the sideburns. <laughs> yeah. He's a sideburn twirler. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just kind of a, a really fun episode. Um, any other last things to say about this one? Callus, uh, I think, was a a good villain here, mm-hmm. as usual. Um, succeeds in the beginning of, of re- rebuffing their attempt to break the blockade. And then has a has a great moment that I liked visually. When the B-Wing is making its attack run on the Imperial cruiser and, you know, does the four four beams converging, it cuts to Callus and his his eyes go wide and he's like, oh, no, like he has this look on his face like he knows what's about to happen. He's like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> ah, shoot. 
Um, it, it says something about how, <clears throat> granted, some people absolutely love and adore animation. I It's not always my thing. But it says something about just how good the animation here is that my first reaction, Riki, what I want to say is, yeah, the actor gives a great reaction shot. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, no, okay. I mean, the character does, but it's the anima- it's the animator. It's not an actor who does it. But yeah, it's, just, it's phenomenally done. And it, yeah, right. It totally conveys just like, I, I didn't know they could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just like comparing the animation of like here to season one, like you can tell they're really upping the budget on it. And it's like, it's well, great. the the shots on Chantepole oh, yeah, it's were gorgeous. beautiful mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. they're oh, yeah. up on like this rocky outcropping and you can't even see the ground beneath it. And it's just like fog, mm-hmm. like a dense yeah. fog that she flies through when they're, she's testing out the B-Wing. It's like a bunch of like hoodoos with like, yeah, yeah clouds between mm-hmm. them. It's really cool. It's really well done. Um, I really like, I like that we, we constantly get this like mixing up of... Um, characters. So I like that it was Zeb, Sabine, and Hera that went mm-hmm. to Chantipole. Um, Because it's like... Right? Like, it's nice that we're not always seeing the same folks stick together. Like, we've had Sabine and Hera go off on their own thing. But I... And I, I like that like, what Zeb and Sabine added to the kind of interactions between Cory and mm-hmm. Hera. Right? Where Zeb is his typical, like, pessimistic gruff self and sabine's like oh you say this needs a new paint job do you right like she she's a little more optimistic whereas zeb's like well we're all dead now great and and she's optimistic she contributes ideas and then Mm -hmm. when it comes to the final battle she like hera has to coordinate what she's what hera's doing with the b-wing and what sabine is doing flying the phantom have to be coordinated i think Mm -hmm. so, so it's also a little bit about sabine getting to be a good pilot as well yeah or hair getting to be a good leader, good teacher, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Justifying her becoming squadron leader. Yes. After despite murdering squadron leader <gasps> killed. I totally, I didn't even like connect those dots, but yeah. <clears throat> Whoops. She has an opportunistic approach to management development. <laughs> but I mean, like, it seemed like everyone was on board with getting like these supplies to Ibar. And it, like, I don't know. <laughs> That was maybe one thing that I didn't super life like was like the Iberians <laughs> when they're talking to them. It's very like, thank you, thank you, Phoenix Squadron. You've saved us all just in the nick of time. And yeah. like, I get it, but also like, you're laying it on a little thick. It, I don't know. And it's one of those things with like a galactic battlefield that. You're telling me that, like, no one else on this planet has food that they can get to these rebels on this mountain? Yeah. Like, you were our only hope. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It it felt a little much and very, like, oh, you're our saviors. And, like, I don't know. Getting getting a food run in to some rebels on a mountaintop is is a good idea. People need food. Please give it to them. But, like... Yeah, it just felt a little cheesy, which I think cheapened it a bit. I guess I can see my... that. I definitely think that. I think I think this is my least favorite episode of the three, and that's probably the biggest reason why. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think oh, it was a really good episode. Still, like I like a lot of it. I would still like probably enjoy it more than like <coughs> it's a really good episode. I enjoyed it, but yeah, I think it definitely it it felt the most like filler compared to the other two. Sure. Yeah, I think I agree. Like out of the three, I think it's my. Mm. least favorite but again like my least favorite episodes of rebels is still a great time yeah 
Yeah, right? Like, it's still a great episode. But it Definitely. fills that bee-shaped hole in your heart. <laughs> the bee-wing-shaped hole. It's true. It's true. I mean, it is a fun thing to kind of get us, get us to do that. So, all right. Any other last stuff to talk about with this episode or just these three in general? No, look look for my Hondo fanfic coming soon. Um, okay. What the heck? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's just for me. No, no, no oh. self-insert going to be... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah right, well... the Pirate shows up. <laughs> uh, let's talk about... Uh, let, let you all do some self-promotion, because I, I want to start out by saying uh, one of the most well-received Christmas gifts that I gave uh, this year was two coffee mugs that I got from the Sarah Hayashi Etsy store. Uh, Sarah, tell us about uh, what you're doing these days with uh, ceramics and Etsy. Technically, it is the Riki Hayashi ceramics store. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm doing nothing now, which has been delightful. Um, I I took a kind of like Christmas break because... The push to get a bunch of Christmas gifts made and done is mm. nice. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm heading back next week. Um, and yeah, I think I'll be back at the the mugs game um, and probably some little like conversation heart style um, items. If you're looking to get something for your special someone on Valentine's Day or for after Valentine's Day or just because um, don't let Hallmark tell you how to live your life. Um, but yeah, my, my Etsy store is empty as of right now, but won't be for much longer um and you can find it it's just etsy slash shop slash hayashi ceramics nice yeah definitely check it out the coffee mugs are great i've got ceramic pe- uh, pumpkins uh that we decided not to give the gifts because we just wanted to keep so <laughs> yay and, uh, riki i understand you are gonna be breaking into the world of streaming uh yeah i mean there's a lot of technical things to sort out but i decided I'm, i just want to start making content um for pokemon go primarily for the um pvp battling nice. uh i've i've also started doing some coaching of friends and just to get a little practice and then probably going to open up maybe a patreon or something so that i can offer my coaching services as a pvp coach nice. so look nice. for that follow me on twitter at Wikipedia. go for updates and yeah pretty soon we'll we'll start streaming Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, <clears throat> like I said, I'm not sure if this will be released concurrently or after the Book of Boba Fett, but um, whether or not, if you haven't, either if it's coming out or just you want to go back, we did, we're really having a lot of fun covering Book of Boba Fett on the same podcast, uh, on my Superhero Ethics podcast, where I was doing a lot of great content. Check those out. You can find out, uh, and more importantly, you can... You, you can find both of those. More importantly, you can find out all the ways to contact us because we would love to hear your thoughts on these episodes or Star Wars Rebels in general by going to theethicalpanda.com. Theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find our Twitter, our Facebook, our email, either the contact form, all the ways to contact us. Let us know what you think about these episodes. Uh, do you love them? Do you hate them? Uh, what do you think about the, 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 the two Inquisitors and where they're going with that? Is the rule of two complete nonsense by now? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so send me I have your my, Hondo fanfic. Send us your Hondo fanfic. We need to read it. Um, I have myself, Riki, Sarah. Thank you all so much for being a part of this, and have a good day. Yay! <laughs> oh, chopper. So many good chopper moments. <laughs>